0: I'm pretty sure, even if you weren't brave enough to raise your hand, that you could say yes to one, if not at least one, all three of these. And for a while now, this message has been on my heart for several months now, and it's been just a recurring theme in my life and with the people in my life, and I find just like, all right, God, I will preach on this, but you've got to give me the words for this because it's a heavy topic and tonight's message is called broken yet forgiven and tonight we'll be talking about forgiveness this is such a heavy topic because this is really a big thing in christianity and an important part of our walks but at the same time it can be one of the hardest things we have to deal with because all of us here have been wronged or may have wronged somebody and when that happens we develop baggage And if that baggage isn't dealt with immediately, it can grow and grow and grow and grow into something where it's much more than what it originally was. And I want to help anybody who might be struggling with unforgiveness deal with this and move on. Because I really do believe if you don't deal with unforgiveness, God can't use you for his kingdom. And so... Forgiveness is spoken out through all Scripture. If you look in the Old Testament, there are sacrifices to atone for forgiveness of sins to God. Psalms written about the love that God laughs on those who are forgiven. If you look in the New Testament, in Ephesians 4, Christ commands us to forgive others because we have been forgiven. If you look at His last words on the cross, his last words were, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, Forgive us our transgressions as we forgive our transgressors. Even in Mark, too, uh, in Mark he talks about our prayers won't be heard if we harbor unforgiveness in our hearts. So, naturally, tonight we're going to dive into unforgiveness. And I'm cutting you guys some slack tonight. We're we'll only be talking about five verses, which I know was weird for me. Usually I go in a entire chapter or something, but I felt like we can really sum this up well. So, we'll be in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. But before I get to there, just a kind of funny aside... I find like John 21 was kind of added on to the end of the book of John. It's a really great, great chapter, but it feels just kind of tacked on. And for anybody who knows me, I love Marvel movies, and we love staying to the very end to get that post credit scene. And to me, John 21 is that post credit scene because John 20 ends with this. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. You're thinking, all right, book of John ended, let's jump on into Acts. But it picks up in 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way, and he goes on to this another story. So I consider John 21 that post-credit scene for a movie. And so we're going to jump towards the end of the chapter but i'm just going to just lay some groundwork and just talk about what's happened before this so jesus is resurrected and he walks to the earth for 40 days and he meets with different people and disciples and in this time he is going to meet his disciples who went back to fishing and while out there they're having a rough night not catching anything and he's on the shore and says cast your nets on the other side of the boat and when they do this they get that another miraculous upheaval of fish and Peter recognizes that it's Jesus and jumps out of the boat and starts charging after him. And while I could preach about how when you first meet Jesus, it seems really overwhelmed because in the first time you met him, the net broke. But the second time, the net stays together. And that initial encounter with Christ is so powerful that you feel almost broken. But then that next time and next time, that net just gets stronger and stronger. Well, that's a message in itself and a focus on just forgiveness. So we pick up in verse 15 with the following. Uh, Jesus has gone and called them over and preparing a meal for them and he sits them down and he says, when they had finished breakfast Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon, son of John do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him Simon, son of John do you love me? He said to him, yes Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he will glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. So I'm one, when I study the Bible, I love finding parallels in Scripture. In the Old Testament, New Testament, I love parallels because it just shows that God has been writing this story from day one. And this is very similar. Like I said, this was similar to how Peter first meets Jesus in Luke 5 where they're fishing. But this also parallels Peter denying Christ three times. And as I'm reading this, I start to feel for Peter. He's sitting there, and the first time Jesus says, do you love me? And he's like, yes, Lord, I do love you. You saw me. I just jumped out the boat and swam for you without even taking anything off. And Jesus is like, feed my sheep. Second time comes, do you love me? And Peter's like, yes, I just finished saying that. But then the third time, he hears, do you love me? And I just see Peter's heart crushing because he remembers back to him denying Christ three times. And he's thinking Jesus is about to lay into him, like, well, if you love me, then why did you deny me in front of all these people? And Peter's sitting there trying to brace himself to get laid into by the Son of God, and he's like, I'm about to be lightning bolted, I'm about to die here, this is it. But Jesus just responds, feed my sheep, and has that forgiveness enter into the whole thing. So while Peter has was still forgiven by Christ, even after denying him those three times, Peter had to learn how to forgive himself, which is very, very difficult, and then not just that walk in that state of forgiveness so that he could become the leader that God wanted him to be. Because we look at Peter's life. He is the one who, in Acts 2, stands up, built the Holy Spirit, and gives the first sermon of the early church. He's the one in Acts 3 who, commit, who does the first miracle in the church by healing the lame man who was sitting at the gate of Beautiful. He's the first apostle to go and preach to the gentiles with Cornelius and his family to share the gospel with them and he does all of these great things to help the early church grow and for the gospel to spread all the way up to his death as a martyr when he is crucified upside down because he feels completely unworthy to be crucified properly as jesus was and so you look at peter's life especially after in acts and it's like man what a great great um, legacy he left but before he could get to that point it had to start with forgiveness. Forgiveness from God and then forgiveness for himself. Forgiveness is the crux of the gospel. Forgiveness is what reconciles us or makes us right with God again. And this is done through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Because no longer are our sins held against us, but we are forgiven, we are redeemed, we are made new into something beautiful that can be used by God. On the other hand, harboring unforgiveness... Will keep you from truly experiencing the new life that is promised to us in Scripture. It may even keep you from stepping into the call that God has placed on your life. All right back to the message. So anyway, the Greek word for forgive is I'm going to butcher this: um, aphemi, a p h i e m i, and had to go to Google to look this up. I do not have this memorized, just so you know. But it literally means to find one's, to sin oneself, to forsake to hurl away, to put away, to let alone, disregard, put off, or basically to let go. This quote comes to mind when I think of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not because they deserve it. It's because you do. Sometimes forgiveness is about loving yourself enough to move on. And when I think about forgiveness in my life, um, the message for me really started way back in December when I found out that Auburn Fellowship was closing. I remember... and. Stephen Decker can tell you, the Isbos can tell you that I think I experienced every single emotion under the sun, from grief, sadness, all the way to anger. And I I know I held on to that even after we started Compass Church. And thankfully, um, things were going great here, but deep down I still held it. And it really came to light when we take the kids to winter camp and Dean Sykes was speaking. And for those of you who don't know Dean Sykes, he is an evangelist who particularly... Um, ministers towards teens, especially those who are at high risk for suicide. So the night he was speaking, he was preaching and was praying for different things, and he said, there are people in the audience right now who are dealing with unforgiveness, and we have to pray for God for you to let go of those things so God can work inside of you. And at that point, it just hit my heart, like, Keith, you are holding on to unforgiveness because of what happened at Auburn Fellowship. And so I dropped to my knees and started praying, God, forgive me for being so unforgiving and help me to love like I need to do. And I know because of that, I've been able to see amazing things happen in my life. I've seen amazing growth within the youth group, spiritually and just relationally. And I know it all started because of me accepting that I had unforgiveness in my heart from what happened at Auburn Fellowship. So it is a huge thing to forgive. So two types of people that you want to forgive in your life are actually those who have wronged you and then yourself. And when it comes to people who have wronged you, it's usually a physical, mental, or emotional abuse that's happened. And I'm staying right now. I'm not here to belittle what happened. I'm not here to tell you just to pick yourself up and move on because there is some legitimate hurt out there. I know people in my life, they have been dealing not just with people saying mean things about them, but, Keith, um, I have been sexually abused. Keith, I have been uh, verbally abused. I've been physically abused. Some of you may have gone through this stuff yourself, so I'm not trying to belittle what happened. But I want to encourage you to let go of that burden because it was something that you were never, ever meant to carry. And to kind of demonstrate this, I need a volunteer. Jeremy, come on up. All right, Jeremy. Nothing. So, this is a demonstration of what unforgiveness looks like. So, Jeremy, hold your arms out straight. Out straight. Now, let's say that Jeremy, that I've done something to wrong Jeremy, and he is harboring unforgiveness. This book represents that unforgiveness. So, Jeremy, is it hurting right now? No. So cool he you had that unforgiveness it's not hurting right now but what if we waited 10 15 20 minutes an hour three hours you wouldn't have any arms so jeremy is this hurting you or is it hurting me it's hurting me thanks man everybody give jeremy a hand It's a real simple demonstration, but that's what unforgiveness looks like. You're holding on to a burden that doesn't hurt the other person. It just hurts you. And the longer you hold on to that burden, it hurts more and more, and it weighs you down more and more. And that's why it's important to just not hold on to that stuff. There have been times where... I've been wronged. I'm thinking of a story right now from when I was in college, and I was uh, dating a friend of mine in the marching band. Um, yeah, it's marching band. I live up to that. I'm cool with that. But I was dating a girl in it for a little bit. I'm okay being a band geek. I accept that, and I, I roll with that. But I was dating a girl in the band, well, kind of. And, um, well, it was interesting because we had gone on a band trip to LSU, and me and her had been talking a good bit over the trip. And she was dealing with a lot, and me being the good guy friend, I was like, hey, let's just go grab dinner sometime this week. Didn't think anything else about it. And As time drew closer to that time, it turned out to be she was thinking it was a date. I was thinking I'm just getting dinner with a friend, so I went and was like, okay, got to turn the charm on and everything, but we ended up finding out that we really liked each other, and we tried dating. and We were happy with this. Someone who wasn't happy was her brother. I marched with him, I was in the same uh, surf fraternity with him, so he knew me really well. And eventually it came out that he did not want me dating his sister because I was black. He knew that I was a good person, he knew my character, he knew all these good things about me, but he could not look past the fact that I was black. And it hurt. It devastated me. That was one of my first experiences dealing with racism like that and i held on to that for a long time cuz it hurt her and i wasn't going to make her choose between me and her family and she was really upset about everything and him it did nothing to he just went about his life like nothing was wrong but i held on to that bitterness for a long long time and several years ago i just got tired of dealing with it and i just like god i give this to you i forgive this guy i do not agree with any of his thought process on this, but I forgive him. I never talked to him. I've never walked to his face or messaged him and said, hey, man, I forgive you for what happened. A lot of times forgiveness is just between you and God, so that way you can move on and get on with your life. Maybe one day we'll cross paths and we'll get talking and he'll bring it up and I can say, you know what, man, I've forgiven you. Everything's cool, but that might not happen. And for a lot of you who are dealing with things um, that might be very personal or that physical, mental, or spiritual, and it's against somebody, I can't sit here and promise that you'll have that time to reconcile and confront them. But forgiveness will happen between you and God if you allow him. If not, just like Jeremy, that weight will weigh you down and exhaust you to the point where the enemy can just get in your head and just remind you about how often you're going to fall and how often that hurt is still there, but it's only through God that you're able to overcome that. And now the harder one is talking about forgiving ourselves, which is hard because we are our toughest critics. Who knows you better than yourself? No one. Thank you, Grace, God. (laughs) Got him. But she's right. God does know you better than you know yourself, but in in the natural, no one knows you better than yourself. No one, knows, no one knows your shortcomings, your hang-ups, your screw-ups, all the nitty-gritty, dirty details more so than yourself. So a lot of times we feel unlovable to God because we know what's really deep down in our hearts. But without that forgiveness, we're all, with that forgiveness that God offers, without it, we are all guilty before him. A pure, holy, righteous God, we are all guilty before him. And that unforgiveness is just adding on to that. I think about when I'm trying to forgive myself as a nurse and a nurse practitioner when patients die. Last night at group, we were talking about joy and how do we find joy in those situations. And me and Jordan Walters were talking back and forth pretty much. And it's hard as a nurse to sit there and watch somebody die to code them or work on them for a long time trying to save their lives and they pass away that eats away at you and then sit and talk to the family like we did everything that we could and have to sit there and see them crying and i remember one time i saw one lady want to like kill me because i let her mother die or she, th- she thought i let her mother die after i just finished telling her everything's going fine not 20 minutes later her mom through a big blood clot and we could do nothing and it was really hard to sit and tell the family that she passed away and I've seen death maybe not as much as other nurses but I've seen enough to know that it doesn't get easier every death still sits on my heart I can see every single face of the person who passed away on me and there is not a day at times that goes by where I sit there and I'm like what if I had done this? Or what if I had caught this? What if I had done this? Maybe they would still be alive. And at times, God's had to work with me like, Keith, I have you here for a reason, but you have to forgive yourself and move on. There was, it was her time to go or that person's time to go. Their race is over, but you still have a race to run. So forgiving yourself, forgiving others is hard. And like I was saying earlier before, holy and righteous God, we're all guilty without Christ. But God, being loving and gracious, sends Jesus onto the scene to die that death for us, to pay that sin debt that we could not pay by ourselves. Not because of anything that we've done. Lord knows I've done some horrible things that would keep me out of heaven. But it's all because of what God has done in being gracious and loving towards us. So that way we can be forgiven and that we can be reconciled back to him. God is so good in that he doesn't look at our shortcomings and failures. But instead, he looks at the completed work of Christ on the cross, and that is truly good news. And for many of us, the forgiveness is going to be a daily battle. For those people who have had serious hurts, it's not usually a one-time thing. It's usually a daily waking up and saying, Lord, I forgive this person. Help me to walk that out. And the more you get in the habit of forgiving, the easier it does get to walk away from that situation and to look upon God and to see that he is glorious. Because the enemy knows what you're thinking. He knows these lies, and he will bring them up time and time again and show you, like, you've done this and this, or they've done this and this. How could you forgive them? And then when you sit and rest in that state of unforgiveness, he will sit and tell you, how could God love you if you can't forgive this person? I thought you were a Christian. You should be able to forgive that person for whatever they did or forgive yourself or why would you do that do you not love god and he will bring these lies and um, trappings against you and the only way to combat this is with scripture and with truth and with the community of believers this is how god takes the brokenness that is that unforgiveness can cause and redeem it into something beautiful i talk about diving into scripture. You can go online if you're dealing with unforgiveness. There are Google pages you can go to and it will pull up every verse to pray about forgiveness and how to walk that out. And you stand on that truth when the enemy attacks like, I am forgiven. And because I am forgiven, I will forgive this person, no matter what it is. It doesn't mean that you reconcile and everything's all buddy-buddy a lot of times, but it just allows you to set free and let go and let God Working you to make you into the godly man or woman he wants you to be. But it cannot be done unless you're in good godly community or a good church family. A good church family will meet you where you're at. Where that hurt is, where that pain is, where that unforgiveness might lie, where that brokenness, self-hatred is, they'll meet you right there in the middle of it. And that's a wonderful thing because Jesus did the same thing for all of us but a great church family won't leave you there. They'll pick you up, they'll push you out, and help you to walk in the freedom that is offered through forgiveness. I'm thinking about last week, um, the night of testimony, and just how powerful it was, how people were just going to be vulnerable and open with past wounds and past mistakes, and it was really powerful. Like, Ms. Lourdes over here talking about being carried into her house by angels and not recognizing (laughs) it. And even hearing about Mindy's testimony and everything. And I was talking with uh, Kevin Beasley, and he said, I think it's so cool that we're part of a church where people can be themselves. And while we can be ourselves here, I know that Isabel's heart and all of our hearts is not to stay that way. We are looking to grow deeper through discipleship so we can become the people that God has created us to be. And I'm even thinking about my life this past couple of weeks, has been an emotional roller coaster in the past week, I've lost three patients. Last week, I lost a lady who um, was really, really sweet. I'm about 99% sure she had a crush on me, even though she was like 60, but <laughs> she was an amazing woman, really sweet, really st- stuck to her treatment, but she decided to move to New Orleans with her fa- with her uh, daughter to just get a fresh start on life. And she was gone and was doing fantastic and get a email saying that she passed away from a heart attack and it it hurt and I had to sit and kind of mourn a little bit but I moved on and during this time I have another patient who was in the hospital he waited very late to be treated and ended up developing um complications and I knew he was going to pass away I just wasn't sure when so when I got back to work on Monday I went and checked our computer system and found out that he had passed away over the weekend and I was like, "Okay, we knew that was coming." Still kind of mourning the other lady, this guy. It's sad, but we got to move on. And not 15 minutes after I report the news to everybody, I get an email saying another patient just passed away. And that, on top of some other personal problems, was just a lot. And I remember texting a bunch of people and saying, "I just need prayer." And Pastor Allen and Michelle. I was just blunt and I said I've tried getting into worship I've tried getting into prayer but I'm just not feeling it and so they let me come up here and we talked and we prayed and we put on some worship music but then what was even better was the fact that hemp showed up and the Walter showed up and the Beasley showed up and we laughed and did karaoke you can look at uh, Michelle's Facebook page to see all the videos of the dancing and the singing that we did and It was amazing to have them come around me and let me talk about my problems, but then they immediately jumped into how can we cheer him up? And I think it was good for all of us in the end. It wasn't just for me, but I think everybody left feeling like a great joy and a great happiness. And to me, that was just, this is what church is about. It's not just showing up on Sunday and hearing a message and going about your life or going to a group and then going home back to your life. It's about being vulnerable, being real with people, letting them know that you're hurting and need prayer. Because like I said, a good church family will meet you there, but a great one will push you out of that. And I know right now I have about five five or six people within the church. I can text right now and say, hey, I need prayer right now, and I know that they have my back. And I'm hoping that for those of us here and those who might not be here, that you have those people that you can text and call and say, hey, I need help i'm struggling because that's what the church is about when i look at the church in acts too it wasn't this nice neat family it was a bunch of broken people with all kinds of baggage and unforgiveness but for the greater good of the gospel they put that all aside pressed into god and you see god move through this community in miraculous ways and just see it explode out of Jerusalem into Judea, into Samaria, into the ends of the earth, to the point where we are where we are now with Compass. And that's because of strong church families like this. And I'm so happy and thankful to be proud, be part of the Compass Church family. I think I got home around 10.30 that night, which I was exhausted the next day at work, but before I go to bed, I have my prayer time. And typically, I'm always bringing my prayer request and desires for God, but all I could do is sit there and just be like, Abba, just thank you. I think I said just thank you just a bunch of different times. I couldn't even do anything else. Just, I was crying. I was like thank you because I needed that because I was about the end of my rope. And I really pray the same for all of you. That if you haven't plugged in here or into a church family, for those who might be hearing at home, that you do. It's not going to be perfect because we're all broken individuals. But hopefully, you'll be part of not just a good church family, but a great family who will come around you when you're hurting, who will laugh with you, who will mourn with you, who will love you where you're at. Most importantly, not leave you there. So as we wrap up, I want to do one last song of worship. And during this time, if you're dealing with unforgiveness... I encourage you just to let go. It's not hurting anybody but yourself. It's hampering what God can do through your life. It's blocking the blessings that can be coming your way. So as we play this final song, just encourage everybody to stand and just pray to God during this time. This is your time with him, you and your Father, to sit and thank him, to pray to him, or to even say, God help me deal with this unforgiveness. And if you need prayer, um, I'm here to. I'll be more than happy to pray with you. I'm sure Pastor Allen will too. But this is your time, and we're family, so let's press into God right now and worship.